You are listening to the No Formula Podcast, episode number 23. Jeremy Mira is a graphic designer from Australia. At the young age of 25, he's overcome a drug addiction and built six streams of revenue. With the help from God and a good support system, he believes his success is the result of a strong mindset and taking action. In this episode, Jeremy exposes the opportunities of creating wealth online, how he leverages them, and how he manages so many projects at once. Work with Jeremy by visiting muradesignco.com or get free design tips from Jeremy Mura Design on YouTube. In the meantime, continue listening to hear more about his streams of revenue and which one brings in the most revenue. The No Formula Podcast offers a glimpse into the lives of real entrepreneurs who possess a variety of experiences and backgrounds. Through raw conversations, learn about their passions, journeys, setbacks, and milestones. Join host Laura L. Bernhardt as she confirms that there is, in fact, no formula to success. Get inspired and stay motivated throughout your entire journey. Subscribe today. I want to kick off this interview with a personal question, if you don't mind. Jeremy, how old are you? Wow, what a great first question. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest, I'm actually 25. It's funny because I don't know why people always get a bit weird when people ask your age. It's just like, it's just a number. Like, it's just a label. (laughs) You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? But yeah, I'm 25. um, And and yeah, it seems a bit young. What do you think? Yeah, um, that's why I'm asking you because as we'll discuss later on, you have a lot of things going on in your life right now. And the fact that you're so young, some people can't really fathom the idea of managing so many different projects. So tell me more about your childhood and your schooling. Sure. Let's go all the way back, way back into my memories <laughs> to uh, locate those uh, you know, like images. Five years ago, right? Yeah, yeah, five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, sure. So. I grew up, you know, I've lived my whole life in Sydney, so I'm a true blue Aussie, if you didn't know, mm-hmm. your day mate. Um, but, but yeah, so I went to a normal school. Um, and then in high school, uh, I went to a place called Cherrybrook Technology. And obviously it was a public school, but the thing was with this public school, it actually had certain subjects like um, IT. It also had multimedia, which was really cool. And the thing is my mom and dad, they were always a bit more creative. My mom was always creative and my dad was more of the IT guy, guy. He was like a project manager. So I grew up on the computer playing games and you know, all that type of stuff that boys do. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, and I got, one, I got to actually do those subjects in high school. Um, so as soon as I got out of primary school, I just went and did that. And then in year 10, you can select multimedia and stuff. And that's when I started getting into like Photoshop and learning about design and, and computer stuff and, and all that cool stuff. And it was really, really helpful. And it really made me see the potentials um, and how you could use, you know, technology and creativity. And um, yeah, I just wanted to always do something creative. I didn't want to be stuck in like a dead end job, just a corporate job in an office. I always wanted to do something creative, but, but yeah, so I started off doing that and that sort of inspired me to eventually pursue graphic design um, after high school. But um but yeah, that's how I sort of started off. And then from, from high school, I went into college. So I did a bachelor degree and that was, that was two years fast track. So I didn't have to actually do three to four years because prior to that, I failed for two years doing a bridging course. And that was a dark time in my life where, you know, I wasn't doing drugs and, and all those type of things. So I wasn't really 
you know, living uh, my destiny. And I was distracted and doing all that stuff. But then after a few years, I eventually found the right course. And as I, my life started picking back up, I, um, yeah, did a, did a graphic design degree and that was really, really useful. So yeah, that was sort of the initial start of that, my journey and, and how I started learning about design and why, why I got into it. You said you were going through a dark time. How, how are you able to get out of that? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, sure. So yeah, my, um, so my family, uh, my parents were, were divorced at a young age. So definitely that has an effect. And obviously, you know, if you grow up in a dysfunctional family with, you know, dysfunctional beliefs and stuff like that, it can, you know, lead to those things, but also it was other factors, um, you know, like dating the wrong girl and that sort of, um, you know, when you get your heart broken, it sort of triggers things. Um, and that's how I like got into, you know, drugs and, and all that stuff. And it was for a period of about three years. So when I finished high school between 18 and 21, that's, the period that that happened. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I was just very lost. I had no direction in life, no purpose. Um, but one time my friend invited me to church and then, you know, I went to church and, and then I gave my life to Christ. Um, people, everyone has their own beliefs, so you can believe what you want. But for me, that's having a relationship with Christ really helped me through, through the, the depression and through all that. Um, and it really made my mindset shift and yeah, I really encountered the love of God and I really, it really changed my life. And ever since, you know, making that decision, um, you know, to live, to live that life um, that God destined for me, um, my life has been so much more fulfilling. It's a life of purpose. Um, you know, I'm happily married now. I'm running a successful business and yeah, that's just my personal journey um, that I've gone on and it has really helped me, you know, get through all that. Um, and obviously, you know, from a natural perspective, you have, you know, friends and family that support you as well. Like I had a friend from university. Um, when I failed those two years, he was still there, um, you know, supporting me and helping me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and that really helped me get through that, all that. So you had a good support system throughout because when you make such a big shift in your life, sometimes you're, you're not hanging out with the right people to help you support your, you through that. But you seem to have that good support system. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, obviously that support system was there, but whether you choose to listen to it or not is, is the person's choice. Mm -hmm. So through that, that period, that negative period, I wasn't necessarily listening to the wise voices and listening to my, my parents and all that stuff. And my friends telling me like, this is, you know, she's not the right girl for you or you shouldn't be doing this or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, you can, the person can always choose to listen to those wise voices. Right. But, um, yeah, eventually what I had to do is cut off all the anchors because you got to understand a boat can't move if it has an anchor, right? Yeah. It's going to uh, anchors hold down a boat. And even if you have an anchor, you, you can still move a little bit, but it'll be very slow. You'll be dragging on the bottom of the, of the sand. So all those friends, even though I did have a bit of that support system, I still mm-hmm. had other groups of friends that were distracting me, that were pulling me down, that were having negative influences on me that just wanted to party and go out and drink and smoke and go clubbing and like all that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So really I actually had to can't like can't cut those fully, those relationships off. Like you have to do that. If you really want to be a leader and be a success in life, sometimes being a leader, it, you have to be, you know, uh, it might be a bit lonely because you, you got to do something different. You got to stand out and be ahead of, of other people, not because of ego or you want to be better than them, but it's for your own self. You only mm-hmm. compete against yourself. So I had to really cut those friends off. I remember I used to call them up and be like, Hey man, um, 
don't call me up anymore unless you want to get coffee or maybe lunch. Um, but I don't want to do drugs anymore. I don't want to do this. And I just, I was just direct. You just got to be straight up and cut them off. Like who cares? Friends come and go, you know, people, new people can always come into your life. You know, Mm -hmm. I believe God, I believe like God will always bring people into your life, whether you believe in God or not. But if you really desire a change and you desire for, for good, then the right people will, will come into your life and that will give you an opportunity to, you know, shift and, and, and live for the better. That must be so hard to do though. I'm the type of person to be honest that I, I'm either a hundred percent in, like I'm, I'm a hundred percent hard in or, or not at all. Like mm-hmm. I give my, I give my all. So for me, definitely I went through paradigm shifts, you know, as I started listening to, you know, entrepreneurs and, you know, wise people and, and different leaders that I followed and teachers mm-hmm. um, that really helped shift my mindset. Like, because they, they always say, you know, cut out toxic people out of your life. You can't, you know, there's a quote, um, I, I think, I think it's by Jim Rohn or, or someone like that. It says, you become like the five people you hang with. Yeah. Because the thing is what you think is what you become. So mm-hmm. what, what you constantly hear or what, what's in your environment has an effect on your mind. Right. And if you have an effect on your mind, it's going to affect your thoughts. And then what happens is it affects your words and then you start speaking it. And when you speak something, it starts manifesting in your life. And then you start taking those actions. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so yeah, like a lot of people find it hard, but to me having that mental shift that the, you know, that the proper um, revelation and ID in my mind that I had to do this for it's for my life. If I don't do this, I'm not going to experience the change and the victory that I, I want to see in my life. Right. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I have to do it. You know, even though I spent all my high school years with these people and all that, I had to make that decision. Um, you know what I mean? And the funny thing is when I did all, all that stuff and then people, my friends started seeing the change, people would call me up to have coffee and they're like, what happened, dude? You've, you're changed. You're so different. Like you, you speak so wise now and all that stuff. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that's a bra- brag or anything, but I could see the tangible impact that it was having on people, you know, just by shifting and seeing the things I'm posting on social media and stuff like that. It just really, yeah, it, 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 it it wasn't that challenging for me because I just, I I made up my mind. When you make up your mind on something, it becomes really easy to to be like, this is what I want. This is success I want to see in my life. So I have to do this. And I started just taking action on everything I was learning. I was just taking action. Wow. That's also very hard to do. (laughs) <laughs> yes taking action everyone a lot of people say oh yes i'm gonna do this but i'm gonna start tomorrow oh i'm gonna i'm gonna start a company next year but the fact that you were taking action right away like that that takes mm-hmm. a lot and Definitely. and you did a full like 180 <laughs> you 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 were talking about like your your tough times went and kind of finished around you were 21 years old but that was just four years ago and mm-hmm. now you have a business and multiple streams of revenue and you're married correct <laughs> <laughs> that's a big change here Jeremy. Definitely. <laughs> it is a big change yes but uh, anything can happen <laughs> yes you're proof of it how many <laughs> how many streams of revenue do you have so at the moment i have five uh, <laughs> wait what <laughs> you have five uh, yes is that a lot <laughs> well I don't know. I only knew of three of them. What are the five? So, um, so yeah, so I'll break it down. So my main source of income would be, so uh, first one would be client work. Mm -hmm. So working with clients, small businesses, medium sized businesses. And that's for graphic Uh, design, right? 
Yes. So graphic yeah. design, I'm a brand designer and identity designer and also do a bit of strategy. So yeah, purely for graphic design services. Mm-hmm. I also do online courses as well, where I teach young designers because I've been doing design for around five years now. Um, I have experience. So I teach young designers on Skillshare with my graphic design courses. Mm-hmm. The third one is I do products. So I do digital products. Um, for example, like logo templates, texture packs, brushes, where designers can actually use that um, on some of the Adobe programs like Photoshop and Illustrator, and it helps their workflow um, be more efficient. Um, the fourth one is coaching. So I also do private coaching for young designers as well, um, which helps them you know, grow. Maybe they want you know, specific information. Maybe they want to have a one-on-one chat. And I really feel like coaching can help certain people. And I've done it in the past. Um, uh, I first started doing it in back in 2017, uh, when someone found my YouTube channel mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, um, and then, yeah, she, she needed help with illustrator. And then we had at least five sessions with her when I was helping her like design characters. And then she eventually launched her own illustrated children's book, which is pretty cool. Oh, wow. That's yeah. Awesome. Like I was surprised as well, but, um, yeah, that was, that was really cool. So, so yeah, that's the fourth one. The fifth one, I think I have more than five by the way, but, um, <laughs> Okay, let's continue. Uh, let's continue the list. <laughs> okay, the fifth one would be um, YouTube ad revenue. Okay. So I get I get paid from YouTube um, AdSense. So when you monetize a channel, it means um, ads get shown on your channel. So if people view it or they click on it, then you get a small percentage. So I do make income from that. The sixth <laughs> income is <laughs> um, is affiliate links. Okay. So yeah. on my website and on my, on my YouTube and other areas, platforms, I have affiliate links. So, but the thing with affiliate links, I don't just do any affiliate link. I actually try and do things, programs that I actually use myself. I don't mm-hmm. want to recommend anything that I haven't, haven't tried and that's not good quality to my audience. Mm-hmm. So I try and um, do things that I actually use and, and programs I use. So um, yeah, affiliate, um, affiliate revenue is number six and... I think, I think that's it. Yeah. (laughs) Just six. (laughs) Did you know the average millionaire has seven streams of revenue? So like you're almost there. (laughs) Oh, awesome. Wow. That's great. One more. (laughs) (laughs) You're almost there. You're pretty close. close, I obviously have a thousand questions for you because you have six streams of revenue. Okay. First question. um, Which one brings in the most money? So the one that brings the most money is actually my online courses, to be Your honest. Your online courses. They're the ones on yes. Skillshare. Yes, correct. Okay. So let's go into, into more detail about that. What sure. is Skillshare and when did you start it and how did you build it? Cool. So Skillshare is an online platform where people can um, teach using courses or, or classes. They, they, they refer to them as classes, but they're pretty much like an online course if you think about it because they're mm-hmm. more in depth and they, people break it down. Anyone can teach on there. Um, literally it's not just based on design. You can teach on cooking. If you want, you can teach on, you know, creative stuff, illustration, photography, web development, even like business stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty cool. So anyone can teach. I started back in 2016 or 2017 um, is when I, Wait, let me check. Yeah, August 2016 is when I started. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I, I teach graphic design classes on there. And yeah, my first payment was actually 
$39. No, total earned $49 was my first payment back in there. And, um, and yeah, and how I built it was the key to doing it. it the one, one of the keys is being consistent. So okay. if you're, if you're an expert in something, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have not a, not a, a lot of knowledge you can, yeah, you can, you want to make sure you're teaching different topics within that niche that you're in. So being consistent and constantly putting it out, they recommend that you try and do one um, every month or two, or at least once every three months. You if have you to can create do, a new course every three months. Well, yeah, that's what they, that's what they recommend. Like okay. if you can, like if you, if you can do it more than like, if you can do one a month, that would be mm. like, that would be very good. But obviously there's a lot of research that goes into it. Like you see like what people are interested in, what's trending. Mm-hmm. Um, also, what does your audience want? Because if you have a bigger audience on another platform, mm-hmm. that will help bring in, um, bring in that audience into those courses. But Skillshare has so many millions of members. I think they've got like 5 million members now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a lot. So their internal audience helps as well. And the thing is, if you become, um, and so consistency is one, but, once you become a top teacher, which, which I am, um, only the top 1% of teachers are actually top teachers. You get in a private group and they actually help promote your, your classes um, and put it by putting them on the top of the category. So that helps you get generate more students into the actual um, courses. And how many courses do you make? Every th- do you make one every three months? Um, I, aim, I aim to do that, yes. Uh, yeah. So some the, the, the past couple... My early years, I wasn't, um, I don't think I was doing it like every few months or every three months. Mm-hmm. Um, but the last, the last couple of years is that that's when I started being more consistent. Um, because I do actually have 20 classes right now. So if you break that down, so there's 12 months in a year. Um, so I've done 20. So I've started 20, the end of 2016. So let's just say 2019. Like if you calculate it, it seems mm-hmm. like it's at least, it's at least like six um, six a year, you know, or five a year. Oh, wow. That's so. so there's, there's a part of it where you're constantly working on it, but then there's a part of it that's passive. Correct. Right. So the 20 courses you already have are constantly making money, but then you're yes. also putting in the effort to put out more courses. Mm-hmm. Correct. It's, it's like YouTube, right? That's kind of like much. YouTube. Yeah, pretty much. It is like YouTube, but one of my strategies is that, with the Skillshare classes, I, it's more in depth, right? Mm-hmm. So I focus more on, you know, going more in depth, giving some tips and tricks um, and, you know, talking more and, and, and adding some stuff on like real world client projects and stuff like that and, and breaking it down. And because I find on Skillshare, it's not just designers, it's actually beginners or people in different industries that just mm-hmm. want to learn a new skill. So it's a broader audience as well. Um, but with YouTube, I tend to focus on a specific tutorial on a specific um, skill or design or style or something like that. So it's a bit different to a course. Oh, oh yeah, because you, you focus your YouTube channel also on graphic design. Correct, yes. Jeremy, I'm impressed. <laughs> like, there's you. just so much <laughs> going it. on. Did you, did you start all of these projects all at once? Yes. <laughs> you did. <laughs> well, I want to say, I'd say all in the same year, but not exactly the same like week or month. Before, when you said that you like took action, you very much just learned about a new medium of making money and you took action. 100%. Like when, when, so 
what happened was when I was in, when I finished my two years of college, mm -hmm. we have a, you have a major project in your last semester, right? Mm -hmm. So my major project was, I was going to do a client, um, my brother, my, he's now my brother-in-law. He ha he was running a business at the time and I was going to do a project like based on, on his business. And I was going to do like a full revamp and everything that didn't fall through, um, you know, cause of miscommunication and other things. So I decided to launch my own personal brand as my main project. And my, and what I wanted to do was launch my YouTube channel. Um, you know, launch my email list, like launch all those, you know, key foundation things. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, launch my website. Um, and yeah, all that stuff and register my business name and et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and then that's when I started in 2016. So literally as soon as I finished college, I was just, I just boom straight and hit like hit the ground running, taking action. And obviously I was still living at home um, mm -hmm. with my mom, my mom and my brother. So obviously I didn't have to pay, you know, that many bills and stuff. Obviously I helped my mom here and there, but, but I was just living, I was just working in my room. And the funny thing was me and my brother shared a room. So like <laughs> it, it was, I'm just being honest. Like it was challenging at times and we've shared a room since we were kids. So for like 22 years now, um, <laughs> obviously I moved out and got married and now I live with my wife. But, um, so I was doing all of this when, you know, whilst my brother was in the room or he was at work, you know, she's early twenties, you know, she gave birth when she was young. She's not with the father of the child anymore. Mm -hmm. So she kind of is, has to be on her own. So I told her, I advised her to go back to school because she can't keep making the money she's making right now. So, but I, I got her to find another job, a better paying job with a regular hours, nine to five versus like grape shift hours. So, oh, so that's yeah. a huge difference to her, especially when she has a child. So she was very happy about that you learn and you grow and you go to higher levels because you, you have experience. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's the fastest way to learn how do you manage all these streams of revenue? Cause I'm assuming you have to put in work into all of them every single week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it can be a little hard. So what ha tends to happen is some of the revenue streams, they, they are, uh, they move more slowly mm -hmm. because I have to focus on the ones that are generating more income. So the ones that are generating more income, I'll focus putting more effort into those. Right. Lot of that. And, but I think she's still kind of still looking for a job, but she doesn't, need to have a job so she can kind of be an entrepreneur if she wants to so so like just shifting that mindset because like some people are like they're not comfortable being entrepreneur but i mean if you can make it you can be profitable being an entrepreneur then go for it mm -hmm. i i'm actually very curious about your opinion on this because mm -hmm. you said money is very much a part of all of our lives whether we like it or not right mm -hmm. yes what 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 is your advice or what do you tell people when people are very much against talking about money because most people are uncomfortable talking about their finances um yes that is true even with friends like i have some girlfriends i know they're struggling with money right now but they don't they don't even like to talk to me about it sometimes because they know what i do but then they're you know because they're you know because there's a shame to that right so mm -hmm. with friends you know i'm okay i mean that's up to them they want to come to me but there is usually a shame for to that and um yeah i mean typically people don't open up about that i mean it really depends i mean if you're comfortable with someone you know, I mean, you just kind of say that in general, then you don't really say your salary and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. so, but I mean, there's, 
I mean, I have nothing against, you know, I mean, it really depends on your comfort level, what you want to share with people about money. But when it comes to your um, your spouse, for sure, I mean, I, I, I kind of require like married couples to start opening up on that one because then mm-hmm. you can't believe there are married couples who actually <laughs> don't see their finances. They're oh like, my God. Yeah, there are. You'll be surprised, like, why are they even married and they don't even look at each other's finances? <laughs> so basically, um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I also advise like my um, my two young clients, like you know, when you're starting to date someone, like when you start to get more serious, then start to talk about your finances early, because then you want to see that both of you are on the same page when it comes to finances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. important. Yes, that's very important. Like even with my boyfriend, like when I was always dating, I was always paying attention to their financial habit because for me, that's, <laughs> yeah, because that's that's very important. Like you don't want to be with someone who, you know, who who's not good with their money because yeah. then that will so, cause issues later on. Yeah. So what what habits were you paying attention to? Um, I think just by the conversation, you can just pick it up. Like you know, like mm. you know, like for example, you can you can tell like if the person has um you know, it's conscious about money, it's frugal, because there's a difference between frugal and cheap. I, I actually did a post on that, the difference between cheap and frugal. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't mind frugality. It's the cheap one that's, you know, you don't want to be with <laughs> our own cheap people. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I pay, you can tell like they're frugal and smart with money. They always, you know, they, they, they invest their money. They, you know, you can tell, I don't know, like, like, you know, do they, you know, are they generous? So I like people who are generous, but also frugal. Yeah. So, um, you know, they, they like to take care of you, but at the same time, they're also thinking about their future. And also they, you know, I, I like when I like to see someone who, you know, like who's not ashamed of money, who's not ashamed to say, I love money. I want to make more money. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, yeah. and then, yeah, because there's a stigma to that. A lot of people say that, yeah, money's not important, you know, whatever, but but I think that's just a social stigma. And then I'm all about, you know, making people embracing money, like embracing loving money, you know, because money is just a tool, you know, if you're, if you're a good person, then you're going to do more good things with money, of course. And if you're mm-hmm. a bad person, you're going to use money for evil purposes. So, yeah. so that's why, you know, embrace money. Like for me, it's a money mantra, actually, like I love money, money loves me. So that's a positive, that's a positive affirmation right there. I hope you have that framed in your house. (laughs) (laughs) I I tell it to myself a lot. (laughs) You wake up, you're like, I love money. Money loves me. (laughs) Because you want to get into the abundance mindset. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. like you want to get to the energy level where you're attracting money. If you're familiar with the law of attraction, it's like whatever you vibrate, you attract. So if you love money then you're allowing money to love you back to come to you. So if yeah. you say you hate money, then money's not going to come to you. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I think that's great. I think that's a really good way of looking at it. And yeah. I want to add to that. So other than maybe having a mantra, what do you, what advice do you give people? Like, let's say general advice you want to give people to have like a better handle of their finances. So you said yeah. mantra, talking to your spouse or your significant other about it. Is there anything else? Uh, yes. The first step is to have a budget. Everyone Ooh. should have a budget. Okay. Yeah. Everyone. So no matter how rich you are. 
Yes. Rich people have a budget, I'm sure. Unless unless they are multimillionaire, they don't manage their money, then for I, I usually I mean I'm only dealing with the average people, not the multimillionaire, because I don't really mm-hmm. care for the multimillionaires. They don't need me. <laughs> <laughs> they don't need a financial coach. Okay, you can have like <laughs> Yeah. So so basically, yeah, no, you need a budget regardless. If you want to start with pen and paper, that's easy. You just have to track all the money that comes in and all the money that goes out. The simplest thing is really just pluses and minuses, but you have to think about uh, it in a way like you're building a relationship with money. How do you build that relationship? By spending time with money, by paying attention to money. Mm-hmm. So that's what's called a money date. You're, you know, you're having a money date with your budget. That's with your money. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So, yeah. So that's why I, I created an online course for budgeting. So for people who doesn't know where to start. So it's, 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 it's basically the system I use, you know, I use Excel spreadsheet or Google sheet. So mm-hmm. it's fairly simple, you know, you don't need to be very elaborate about it, but I teach the system I use and which I've been using for the past 10 years. And this is what I use also for my clients. I mean, if they don't have a template to begin with and they don't know where to start, so they can kind of use my template. Uh, but, but again, um, you can use a pen and paper too, if that makes sense, because I have a good friend of mine, she just used pen and paper because that's what makes sense to her. She wants to write it down. Yeah. And I guess that kind of forces her to look at what's going on. Yeah. Whatever that will force you. But for me, I love Excel. I'm an Excel geek. <laughs> so I, I use Excel all the time for all my modeling, for all my financial mm-hmm. analysis. So that's why I use Excel and that's what I teach my clients. And I guess maybe the lack of budget is why, you know, when people win the lottery, they become millionaires really quickly. Yes. And then they lose it also very quickly. I just did a post on that. Really? Oh my God, I didn't even see it. Okay, I'll I'll send it to you. But I did a post on that. Actually, a lot of people liked it. There was like 500 likes to that post. Oh my God, I could have been that. I could have written that post. You can okay, so, write a similar post. <laughs> so what did you what did you say in your post about millionaires? Um, it, it's literally about um, yeah. If you have a thousand, if you don't learn how to manage a thousand, you won't learn how to manage ten thousand dollars. So that's mm-hmm. why millionaires they go broke because they haven't learned how to manage the first thousand dollars. Because usually yeah. the the one that go broke were the ones who never learn how to manage the first thousand dollars anyway, mm-hmm. or even the first hundred dollars. Yeah, and I also think manage it's it's so widely used across literally any single subject but I like that when you were talking about it you're giving us examples as in like pay attention to it you know create a budget kind of have a relationship with it you know exactly really that's a key word relationship have a relationship money just just like with anything right if you have a pet like I have a good relationship with my pets right so you pay attention like they can't talk, so you have to pay attention to the body language, right? I mean, I mean, they bark, but it's not like they can communicate their needs. So it's the same thing with money. Like, you know, like it's nonverbal with money. You have to pay attention. If, if money is in debt, then yeah, you have a problem. Then what do you do? Then you, you figure out how do you fix that problem? It's the same thing with your dog. Like, okay, if they're in pain, then what do you do? You take them to the vet. You find solution to it. So same thing with money. You find solution. Okay, so you just mentioned debt. If people who are listening to this right now are in debt, what are your top three tips for them? Budget. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
that's that's number one so number two mm-hmm. um well usually for my clients of debt well so we need to set them it depends on the debt okay so there's many different debts so if it's mm-hmm. credit card debt for sure that has to go so so usually with credit card debt we figure out a consolidation loan like maybe um I usually ask them to look around for a consolid, um, a refinancing loan that's a better rate than credit card. So that's one option. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the other option is to find another um, credit card where there's zero balance transfer. I mean, ideally, I don't, I mean, if they can find one, then that would be good. Then they can just transfer the 0% balance transfer. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, you, but usually they only give you like one year time frame, right? Then you have to pay it off in like one year. So, so that's one option. And the other thing also, yeah, basically when you have a budget, you have, you have to see like, where can you cut down? So, you know, you, and then increase income if you can, because we have to pay off that debt. So increase income by having a side job or maybe selling stuff from your home or just doing whatever you can, or maybe you need to find a better job. So, but again, if you make more money and then you spend it all, then the, it then it doesn't matter, right? So that's like the budget comes in place. So that way, you know, the extra money you make is going to go towards the debt. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's very much about just increasing your revenue so you can pay it off. Well, and cutting expenses too, if you can. That's why you look at your budget and see where else can you cut down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Depending okay. on your priority, of course. So that's credit card debt. Credit card has to go. Um, for the like student loans, so it depends. Some student loans, if, if you have a high interest, then I also recommend refinancing. So I have a partnership with a bank where you can get a lower interest, but, but you do need a lot of cash for that one. So, so it depends on the bank and there will be other refinancing option as well. And then, um, as far as mortgage, so I don't have a problem with mortgage debt. I actually prefer to write out my mortgage debt. So I have a 30-year mortgage, so mm-hmm. I'm deciding to write out my 30-year mortgage. I'm actually going to write a post about that because for me, my mortgage, it only costs me like 3.6%. And then after the tax deduction, it only costs me 3.5%. I would rather invest my money, which gives me like 7 8% rate of return, than pay off my mortgage. So I get better rate of return by investing rather than pay off my mortgage. So again, it, it, it depends on like where, where can you get your better ROI. For sure, credit cards, there's no way you're going to get consistent 20% rate of return because the yeah. credit card is like 20%. So that really has to go. <laughs> okay, okay. And you also mentioned refinancing. Can you explain that concept in more detail? Yeah, so for example, credit card, let's say you have five credit cards and then the total like, Maybe each one is like two to two thousand, so that's ten thousand dollar total. So when you refinance or consolidate, you you find a lender that will pay off all your credit cards, so they will loan you ten thousand dollars. And depending on your credit score, you get different rates. So let's say let's say you get the best rate because I had a client who actually got an eight percent interest rate, so that I think that's very very good. Mm-hmm. So she. He got an 8% uh, interest rate consolidation. So that was $10,000. So with that money, he was able to pay off all the five credit cards. So now he's only have one loan and it's at a fixed term, like maybe three year or five year term. But, but we made sure he had a monthly, monthly payment of something that he can afford. Yeah, that's a lot of finance stuff at me all at once, but I'll, t- I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I- it, it, 
in a nutshell, basically, in a nutshell, it's just like if you have five credit cards, you're just trying to make your life simple by having one. So first of all, you're fixing, um, making complicated to simple with just mm -hmm. one. The second thing is that you're lowering your interest rate from a 20 plus interest rate to 88%. So that's saving you a lot of money right there with the interest. So that's mm -hmm. the second reason. The third reason is you're on a fixed term. So, so with credit card, I mean, you're going to be on credit card forever if you're going to pay only the minimum. So you're never going to yeah. get out of it. So having it on a consolidated plan or refinancing, you have a term, like three-year term, meaning you pay it off in three years or five years. Uh, you know, usually I try to keep it three or five years only. Then you have a monthly payment that's more manageable to your budget you know, depending on, on the term and the interest rate. Hmm. Okay. That makes sense. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Because like the goal is that you want it, you want it to fit your budget, but at the same time, you know that whatever you're paying, you know that it's going to end soon, not like credit card, which will become forever unless you know how to pay it off. Mm -hmm. That's why you need a budget. Yes. Again, I'm, budget. I'm learning. I'm learning. <laughs> <laughs> So I kind of want to shift gears here and go back a little bit in your story. Sure. Last year, you quit your corporate job. You said you're going to give it your all to your side hustle and help people with their personal finance. Mm -hmm. How did you get your first customers? Yeah, so I asked my friends and family. Well, actually friends. Um, yeah, my family isn't here. So yeah, it was all friends. So actually, they were my girlfriends who had problems with their finances. So I mm -hmm. asked them and they're like, yeah, of course. So so yeah, I did help them out. I think I did got them on a budget initially, but I think their problem was that they need someone to hold their hand consistently, but they never continue with the plan. So that's why, but I did sat down with them, you know, all three of them. And then they, they wrote me a review as a as in, you know, um, because I helped them out. So they wrote me a review after I got three reviews on Yelp. So people start to find me. So I think, and I built a website. So for some reason, one, I remember my first paying client. He's actually an older guy, retired. He found me through just Googling me. I have no idea what he Googled. He found me <laughs> and he's from East Coast and he wanted someone to help him with his retirement budget. Mm -hmm. So I spent a lot of time building the retirement budget for him and he was happy with it. And I remember I, I was so happy when he finally paid me. That was like my first pay from, <laughs> from my side business. So I was Yay. Like, wow. Yeah. So that probably took a month to, yeah, I think I started in August by doing it for my friends and I started having a website and Yelp. So finally, I think in September, he paid me. So September, my first uh, ever revenue. Yeah. And I think uh, since I have reviews, then people start to find me on Yelp and Google. So then I start, yeah, and I just start slowly having clients. So I think it started with maybe one client and then, then two clients. So but just snowballed. I, yeah. And I, but I usually always have clients though. Like every week, I think I was talking to at least one person every week, but since it was just part-time. So yeah, it was just maybe one, you know, one between one to three people every week. Oh, that's really cool that everything just picked up. Did you, did you have a website from the beginning? Uh, yes, yes. I recommend everyone have a website when they start their business. Yeah, because if this guy found you on Google, it must have been because of your website. Yes, yes, yeah. And, okay. and um, 
yeah, and I know you gave me the advice to <laughs> write down more more blogs but i haven't gotten to yet i i'm not i'm not very good at that like i'm very good at linkedin to post daily but mm -hmm. my website is just like i feel like i need to hire someone to write my blog <laughs> so that way just just so it will be consistent every week so mm -hmm. that's something that um i'm trying to push myself to do more of but at least i i want to try to do it once a month at least so something that i can handle because i was trying to do it every week and i couldn't i was I mean, I did write newsletter every week, like two weeks mm -hmm. consistently, but after that, I, <laughs> I wasn't very consistent. So I think I'm going to just do it once a month, like newsletter and blog post. <laughs> okay. Okay. Christine, we'll talk after this about that. <laughs> I'll help you out. <laughs> okay. So the reviews on Yelp, um, I'm sorry, we don't really use Yelp that much here in Canada. Can you just explain like I guess it's very popular because you're not the first person to tell me how that they got customers from Yelp. So you just yeah. kind of plenty. we had plenty, you know, we had enough, but my focus wasn't to go build a $10 million company. My focus was to understand the deeper mysteries of the unseen realm during those years. You know, fast forward to today, I'm more focused on building businesses. I spent the last 20 years doing my spiritual growth. Now I help other people with that and I'm good in business. But my, but my superpower, so to speak, is helping people to unpack the deeper things. Because there's a lot of people that are good in business, but they're not connected spiritually or emotionally looking for that, right? So mm -hmm. I think throughout this conversation, you gave tangible advice on how to pivot, on how to get through things. But I want to know, in your opinion, what is the one thing you want people to take away from this conversation? One thing that I would say, you know, I, I deeply believe that there is a greater purpose and meaning in life. Mm -hmm. And when we connect with that, it starts with relationships. It, it's, it, it, bottom line just starts with one person connecting with another person and then exploring the deeper meanings of life. Um, I guess my message that I really like carrying to people is that there, there really is an unseen God and creator of the universe. And it's not supposed to be weird. It's not supposed to be judgmental or, or filled with shame and guilt. It's supposed to be about relationships and empowering people. And so I would just encourage people to take this time to reflect on what that could look like and even challenge a lot of cultural paradigms around, you know, there's a lot of people dealing with fear and anxiety right now. And I, I believe that we were not created to have a spirit of fear and anxiety, but to have power and love and a sound mind, a clear mind. And so I think what I would just want people to take away is uh, you got this, you know, dig in deep, but no matter where you are, whether it's you're in a financial spot or maybe your business is booming. There's a lot of people whose businesses are just booming right now as a result of this pandemic. Mm -hmm. but they're asking deeper questions about their faith and, and about their mortality because now they're afraid of death. Mm -hmm. So I think what I would just say is take the time to really slow down and, and listen to, you know, find, find some, some people that you can surround yourself with that you trust that they have your best interests in mind, that they don't have any deeper agenda necessarily, but they just are genuinely looking to help you develop as a human 
and to pull out your greatest gifting and talent. Cause I think this is a time for everybody to show up with the fullness of who they are. And it's time to serve humanity at, at the highest level. But I don't think that any of us can do that unless we find healing and wholeness and we find something to believe in. Belief is a very powerful tool. And I think any, if you look historically through anybody who's really succeeded in life in any arena, they deeply believed and had a deep conviction over whatever it was that they were doing. The best salespeople in the world deeply believe in what they're selling. Mm-hmm. And, or they, you know, they, or they believe in the power of the money that they're going to create behind it. you know, there's, there's always a deep belief, faith and belief are the things that get stolen from us as a child, but they're the most powerful forces, unseen forces, I believe in the universe. Well, I think that's a, a great way to end this whole conversation. Thank you so much, Trevor, for being here with me today. You bet. Thanks, Laura. I really appreciate it. Yes, thank you. Before you leave, I would like to summarize some key takeaways from my conversation with Trevor. First, achieving other people's definition of success will not be fulfilling. Second, it's okay to restart. Pride has no place in your journey. Three, the power of taking a step back from your everyday. Four, how spirituality can help guide your path. And finally, I love how Trevor just truly believes that any human can accomplish anything they want. It was so great chatting with him. Thanks for listening, everyone.